You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Todd Greenberg has had a bit to say this morning. As we know, former NRL boss but now in charge of the Australian Cricketers Association. So the association that represents the players, and the players are under scrutiny after the second test. Todd Greenberg has been on SEN in Melbourne this morning with Sam Edmund and covered a range of issues, including those players that will be heading home. Oh, look, I'd like to think that what we do is we're there to sort of help bridge that gap and support between us and the governing body. I mean, we're all aligned in trying to get the best out of the players and ensure they get well looked after. Um, and you're right, all of those players' names you just raised have got different individual challenges, whether they're personal or injuries. And, you know, I mean, I, I was at the MCG only a week ago and I was there watching the Shield game between Queensland and Victoria and Matt Kuhneman was bowling as a third change bowler for Queensland. And then, you know, within a week, he's opening the bowling for Australia. I mean, these, mm. these changes that are being made at the moment in real time uh, are quite phenomenal. And that's why I think, it has captured the interest in a lot of ways. There's names and players that haven't been seen broadly by the general public, and there's a great fascination with this series for for the challenges that we're going to confront, and ultimately we will be defined as a team by how we how we come back from those challenges. And the challenges are there, smack bang in front of them, without question. It was always going to be a challenge to take on India in India, but the way that they fell apart is the big thing. For, Australian, for the Australian public, for the Australian sporting public and former players, former captains, everybody's jumping on that bandwagon because of that spectacular collapse and the reasons behind it. Then we look at the schedule ahead. Todd Greenberg's uh, thoughts on the schedule ahead for players that are covering tests, one-day internationals, T20s. You've got big... I mean, the schedule is jam-packed. So let's have a listen to some of those thoughts. The one part that I see is the challenge, and I've said this before, that I see in the next five to ten years are almost impossible for players to be three-format players, either male or female. And, you know, it's going to be very difficult for players, both physically and I think equally mentally, to cope with the demands of the schedule to play all three formats. And those increasing demands are, are more and more, and the schedule we're looking at in the next 12 months sort of highlights that. And then that's... And that's okay. We just need to be a realisation of that and we'll need to have specialty built into how we deal with players and contracts. But, you know, the next 12 months, particularly with our women playing two test matches, one against England over there and then India at home and, you know, all of the test matches the men will play. Uh, I mean, this is probably the peak of interest for cricket in this next period of time. It's going to be wonderful, but it's going to be bloody hard too. Yeah, and I agree with him on that front. It is going to be very hard for those players. Do you think we're edging closer to the end of the days where we we have three format players? I mean, those that aren't on the healthy fat contracts or the good contracts have to go and make their money as much as they can, when they can, where they can. And you want to be across all three formats because it broadens your reach in terms of how much you can put in your pocket. So if you're the kind of player that can go from long format to mid format to short format and be successful at it and be in demand, 
then you want to keep that going as long as possible. But interesting comments from Todd Greenberg this morning. Let's get the thoughts of Jaleesa Raps, who's on the line and heard those comments there from Todd. Good morning, J.A. Good morning. How are you? Good, thank you. So let's start with cricket. I want to talk, talk to you about some rugby league issues, but let's start with cricket. And you just heard the, the thoughts there from Todd Greenberg. In the next five years, he reckons three format players across men's and women's, it's just going to be too hard for them with the schedule. Do you think that's the way we're headed? Yeah, 100%. I actually feel like the the shorter format almost needs to be treated as its own sport. Uh, even like if you look at, say, rugby and the rugby sevens, it's a different sport, isn't it? Because it is, like, in, in a technique way, completely different. We seem to see some of those shots sneaking into the test format, which I don't always think is great for test cricket when they're not played, as we saw on, on, the, we- on the weekend, when they're not played uh, when they should be. Like, like the sweep shots that we, we saw. But um, just in terms of the scheduling, you can't possibly be good at all three. And you can't be captain of all three, and I don't think you could be coach of all three either. I think it just needs to be... T20 needs to be treated as its own sport. In terms of ODIs, I fear that, particularly now that they're behind a paywall, and really they only are relevant around a World Cup, I don't think there's huge interest in ODIs generally. Mm, I thought... To be fair, Jaleesa, I thought that ODIs would be the things that, that would be would be the format that goes out the back door. I thought honestly that yeah. by now ODIs essentially would be dead. But you're right; around the the World Cup period, they had their relevance. Um, so if you're a modern day player, or if you're a player coming through in the next five years, perhaps you try and work out how I be. It's almost like the the complete opposite ends of the spectrum. How do I be? a player that can go the long format of the game, your Sheffield Shield test match cricket, and then how can I adjust to be a T20 impact player? And if anything, you'd probably forget about the middle one, wouldn't you? Yeah, for sure. I think the middle one is kind of, the ODIs are going to become one of those things where it's a bonus if it falls in with nice scheduling and everyone's available. But I don't imagine that they're anything that you prioritise. It really depends on what you're motivated by. If you're motivated by money, you would be being a T20 player. You would focus all your energy on becoming a T20 player and playing all the leagues around the world that you can. I imagine most people are still motivated by being a test player and and being an Australian test player is the pinnacle for most people. But I think it will get to the point where if you're not a if you're on the fringes of that test player, maybe you maybe you gamble and just become, you know, that real specialist T20 player and live a good life on all the money that's going to be made. It'll be really interesting to see what happens in the women's space in this area because yeah. particularly with the IPL, like the women's has generally been you don't have to pick because simply there's not that many fixtures. And now I think after the IPL, the women's IPL, there's going to be all these T20 leagues that pop up around everywhere. Um, and it'll end up being in the same way as well. And it worries me for the WBBL. Yeah, hundred percent. And and you got to follow the money. That you know you you follow you the money to. in sport. Yeah. And if you want to know where the trends are, follow the trend of the money as well. Where's the money coming in? That'll be where the players will be going. What have you made of the fallout of the second test? Um, I, I worked through exactly the the facts behind those that are jumping on a plane to come back, and those that will be brought into the squad and coming back in. So. Whilst it sounds shocking and scary that Paddy Cummins is coming back, we know that's for personal reasons. While it sounds shocking that Josh Hazelwood might be coming or he's coming back, he hasn't been able to bowl since the Sydney test, essentially. So 
really the ins and outs are kind of they kind of equal themselves out. We knew that they were happening or that they were going to come to us. And in Paddy Cummins's case, um, he will be back in time for the third test. So, do, what have you made of all the noise around the last couple of days? Well, Josh Hazelwood really didn't surprise me at all because he has been uh, struggling um, with injury a, a bit, we know. So that that didn't shock me. And you want to get him particularly right to head into England. So um, when you can't win um, the series now, I, it doesn't. And, and he isn't right to bowl at the moment, then it doesn't surprise me him coming back. David Warner's um, an interesting one because I found the chat around talking about his concussion potentially being the end of the career, I actually found, I thought the maybe the opposite. Like, uh, no one wants a concussion, but perhaps this actually prolongs his career. If he, were, he had, you know, a really bad series in India, then it would be really hard to pick him in England. But if he has a, sits a little bit out with concussion and with the, with the fracture, it might actually just sort of get him back into the form um, and give him time to get back into form in England. And I still think he has a bit to give. So I actually felt the opposite about that. Pat Cummins, I cannot believe the reaction overnight, particularly on social media, and how cruel some people were. I mean, he's flying home. You can think whatever you want about the shot that he played and his fielding and, and the field placements and whatever. That's fair things to be critical about. But... I saw some really nasty comments about him flying home and I just thought, oh my goodness, it's a personal reason. Why, who are we to judge that? And I don't know, this hate towards Pat Cummins lately is really like the epitome of tall poppy syndrome to me. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. Um, uh, hey, social media, is, social media is a weird one, isn't it? Now, the Dragons. So a couple of players get home at 6 o'clock to the old motel at Mudgee. Um, they've had a few and they have a bit of a scuffle. Is there any further fallout to this aside from the fact that it's not a good look for a team that's just got dusted up in the charity shield and we've seen this movie before at this club? Yeah, well, the Dragons are now going to look at um, disciplinary action and I, I guess it's just not a good look for a club that's number one struggling on the field but also just seems to be in that area at the moment where there's constant rumours and this constant talk of bad culture. It's just not really a good look, is it? I don't think in an isolated incident it's probably that big of a deal, just two teammates getting a little bit heated with each other. If, as the Dragons officials say, no one you know, threw any punches or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, certainly not a good look. Uh, and particularly when you've trusted the players to go out and, and have a good time, given they do have a long break with the first-round bye, you kind of lose that trust a little bit. You don't want to be doing that mm. in the first hey, you know, week. Yeah, exactly. A final one before I let you go. Now, we posed the question this morning, are the Melbourne Storm in danger of missing out on the top eight? Um, a little bit of news around or a little bit of whisper around this morning that perhaps Ryan Pappenhausen will be back later than expected. You've got to go back to 2002 to find the last time the Storm weren't in the eight, aside from 2010 with the salary cap. Do you think they're any danger of missing out on the top eight? 
No. And only because they were going to miss out on the top eight when Cooper Cronk left. They were going to miss out on the top eight when <laughs> Billy Plater left. They were going to miss out on the top yeah, eight Cameron when Smith. Cameron Smith left. So I, I will not be betting against that at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm still sitting on that fence. Believe me. I, although you may have, you may have just turned me around. And for those reasons, that's why I'm sitting on the fence. If, if that club culture wasn't there, if that ability to bounce back when they miss out on big play or lose or players um, move on or retire, then it'd be a different conversation for me. But it's it's the classic case of write them off at your own peril. Good on you, Jaleesa. Thank you for all of that. Have yourself a good day. Thanks, Matty. Have a good day. Jaleesa Apps joining us. 0457 736 736. Got a stack of texts coming through about, well, the Melbourne Storm, about the Bulldogs, about Australia v India. We'll get to those after this.